Yes. We are back. <laughs> Sorry about that one. It was unavoidable. Feeling better, at least. Yeah, I think life got in the way. Illness got in the way. And we're not saying you were lazy, Moggy. Just super unwell. That's, that, that's what it was. That's, that's, mm-hmm. def- that's definitely what. You, you're back. You're back at the helm and, 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 and editing. It's great. Yes, and my voice is definitely still carrying a little extra gravel, but uh, I like it, and I'm holding on to it as long as possible. Ah, a little gritty. (laughs) Well, well, I thought my voice had more of a Clark Gable quality to it. (laughs) Uh, Nothing says radio like voice like a cement mixer. (laughs) Well, it worked for Tom Waits. Also a little bit of nesting got in the way. Ah, yes. Uh. A little bit of um, indulging, I think, at least on my part. Did anybody else make any uh, any any indulgence confessions this week? Uh, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> As, aside, aside from the shelving, I got a chair finally. Yay! Finally, it's, it's, it's been a fun, it's yep. been a fun ad- adaptation period. Basically, my back doesn't hurt as much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, is this what support feels like? <laughs> <laughs> no more milk crates for me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I believe you have an indulgence to report. Yeah. So. Um... On literally on a whim, I I, I bought a PS5. Hey, I, we I can bought play a PS5. I, <laughs> well, that's the, that's the next win when I buy that in like a couple months because Baldur's Gate's expensive, yo, and oh, PS5s yeah. are expensive, yo. Yeah, hmm. yeah. No, I went to work on on a Friday morning with the full intent to be a productive and <laughs> and, and, and and happy boy, and I went home with a PS5 because it was on sale. Oh, so uh, you were a happy boy. <laughs> I was a happy boy. It was an interesting weekend. Nice, oh. nice, nice. I'm still bad at Demon Souls. Still really bad at it. Has <laughs> oh, anybody ever really good? Well, actually, I take that back. <laughs> I've seen some videos. Some people are insane. I don't understand how they do those things. Mm. Well. I have to report that the does Moggy need a new iPhone has been, well, the word need may be doing a little heavy lifting here, but I did pre-order the iPhone 15 Pro. Oh, no. Yeah. I can afford (laughs) it. They didn't increase the price. I can afford it. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've been saying for a long, long time that you were putting money away in the kitty and, you know, it's not money that you don't have and you were looking forward to seeing what they were going to show you and it ticked all the boxes, I guess, or did you get wrapped up in the hype machine? I'm not judging. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> that titanium finish really like tickled a certain uh, a certain indulgence node in my brain. I don't know why, but like that brushed metal finish really spoke to me. I really, even before like the features that kind of went, yes, that's kind of what I want. The brushed metal was like, buy me, buy me, <laughs> buy me. Is pretty, my first ever smartphone was brushed metal. It was the, like the HTC, HTC M8. Yeah. yeah. And oh, it had phones. like a beaut. it was a beautiful finish. And yeah, I get it. I get it. The plastic and glass screen, uh, chassis that have been at the last you know the popular <laughs> for the last screen. five or six years <laughs> brush metal screen you see nothing <laughs> okay well before this gets away from us hi welcome to indulgently minimal i am moggy and i am joined today by jeff hey up guys and murdoch hello everyone and returning from our unscheduled break with one of our patented blobcasts Ironically, after that intro, we are going to be talking about slowing down. Because we have no money left. <laughs> yeah, but we, that's just... <laughs> we have to eke it out from now on, yes. Like, <laughs> well, I do think that the iPhone release really does tick that box for me. It was 
you know, the we'd scripted this episode before the reveal, before my, not really an impulse buy, but definitely the first time I've pre-ordered an iPhone. And one of the comments I made on Mastodon as Margie was that while some people are complaining, like, oh, there's not really enough for me to upgrade from my iPhone 14, maybe next year. I say, spare a thought for those of us who have been eking out a five-year-old phone, like <laughs> pushing its poor, battered carcass across the finish line. Uh, and th that, that isn't to say that the phone isn't usable either. That's it's probably a good testament for five years. I'm sure the phone's, aside from the battery issues, I'm sure the phone's still perfectly usable. Mm. To be sure, it is going to go down the phone inheritance ladder. The person who is going to be receiving it is going to try it out for a while because they're an Android user. So they're going to see mm. if they like it. If they do, it's going to, we're going to find someone to replace the battery, maybe try and fix the broken glass on the back, which I discovered you can't just replace the back. It's a 10s. You have to replace the whole glass thing so mm. that's a thing uh, but we will see in regards to slowing down though i think that's one of the the ways i'd like to attack the topic up top is that people that are saying like why you know that apple aren't really giving me enough to warrant an upgrade like that's a good thing the fact mm. that your phone is lasting longer and longer that's great let's slow down the consumerist cycle let's slow down the upgrade cycle like let's look after mother nature as played by octavia spencer in that <laughs> <laughs> wonderful little bit of comedy huh oh. uh, as a brit no have, no have, have, this does have, not meet my standards of comedy <laughs> i feel like i'm missing out on a huge wrath of con wrath? <laughs> the I wrath feel like of i'm con. missing out on a <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of context here. I know who Octavia Spencer is. Oh, right. I didn't watch it, did I? Watch it on YouTube at some point. It's cringily funny. But basically, Apple were tooting their own horn, you know, saying how good they are at going towards carbon neutral and carbon offsets and all the rest of it. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm glad they're doing something. It's better than nothing. It's better than mm. let's just keep filling landfills with e-waste. Mm. But they were also like, look how good we are. Everybody celebrate us. Aren't we wonderful? It goes back to green. It's greenwashing. It, it, it is. Yeah. It is. The only other thing going through my mind is, haven't you heard of a little thing called showmanship? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the acting was so bad. <laughs> I think deliberately so. I think they knew what they were doing. Oh, I, I think Tim Cook knows he can't act and they leaned into it every time the camera goes mm -hmm. to him. Yeah, they're definitely kind of like, yeah, this is Tim on camera being a bad actor. But, you know, I mean, Octavia Spencer is always wonderful. And as I said, I'm glad they're doing something. But because mm -hmm. it kind of leads us on to the first point we actually want to talk about that in general, like as a society, we've got this big conversation going on about decarbonizing the economy, right? And mm -hmm. it's a hugely contentious issue. There's lots of arguments all over. And my gut instinct is that our problem is because everything moves so fast. Mm. Like, yeah, every, everything is instant right now. Yeah. Um, not, ju not just in front of us, but behind the scenes as well. Everything, like the, the, the whole machinery of, of manufacture behind all the stuff we do is just running at 100%, 100% of the time. It's just, just never time. stopping. It's running just on in just time. in time. Just in time, yeah. Which is, oh, a whole, like which is a whole other conversation just in time, but it's, it, it's a business <laughs> like philosophy. Compilers. It's, it's, it's scary. It's very scary. Mm. And while our economic system, at least in the West, definitely wouldn't allow for, let's say, Apple to not release a new phone every year, 
they would have their shareholders probably in some sort of armed uprising. Mm -hmm. We at least can do our part by not buying one every year. And mm -hmm. I, as I mentioned again in my little microblogging attempt, we can do our part by waiting longer and longer. And I prefer Apple because I can keep the device for longer and still get, you know, feature updates. I mean, as you said, the 10s it's still... I'm charging it more and more, but it's still going to get the latest version of iOS. It still does everything I need it to. I'm not upgrading it because it's slow and buggy. I'm upgrading it for that beautiful new finish, that camera that I really want to put through its paces. And because I am at that point where, I'd like, yes, I would like a more powerful tool with more modern features. Mm -hmm. But I could have probably eked a few more years out of it if I'd have myself paid for that battery replacement. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm not just junking it. It's going to get passed on to someone else. They're going to then use it and not buy a new phone for a while either. It's slowing down. And I think mm. we could extrapolate that to our economy at large, where if we were to try and just say, okay, let's just slow things down. Maybe we build more railways. And instead of flying all over the world, for, in two hours I can be you know, in Beijing or whatever. No, it's not that fast. It'd be awful if it was that fast, though. <laughs> it would be. I mean, you know, I, I think you may have been... I think if you're traveling that fast, your bones... Your bones? Your bones may have been reduced to a sort of jelly-like substance, but it would be cool to I get would, there that fast. I would ooze off that plane in style, my friend. In <laughs> style. I, for what? one, welcome our new jelly overlords. <laughs> what, whatever happened to the Concorde? What did happen to the Concorde? They decommissioned it, I remember Oh, that. didn't one explode? I mean, they were very old. They were like they were. They yeah. started in the 1980s. I don't no, think it was that important. One of, no, it was. It wasn't that important. It wasn't that economically. Like it was super fast. It was great, but mm. it didn't have that. But I think what happened is that it at one point a Concorde, its engines exploded on like just after takeoff, and yeah. it kind of everybody went okay. Let's not do the Concorde anymore. Yeah, oh, it was kind of like the final nail in the coffin of it. Like it was already going out of business. Oh, I don't know if it was going out of business, but it was already like, it's cool, but not necessary. And then this thing happened and it was yeah. just like, it's just not worth it anymore. Mm. And that's a really good allegory for, at least in the, if we flip it, 180, of what I want, which is like, let's get like really nice trains, you know, most of Europe and Asia and even, I think you can get into the African continent on a land bridge somewhere or mm -hmm. we could figure something out. You could connect all that by rail, and yeah, maybe it'll take days instead of hours to get somewhere, but hey, we put some showers in there, high-speed Wi-Fi, you can work. A lot of people who do knowledge-based work could work on a train. It's not that yeah. different from work from home, which, you know, all these things, we could have a slower economy, which is more carbon-friendly, and we can sort of, as a whole culture, just kind of realize we don't have to be going a million miles an hour on everything. And at the same time, we can sort of stop soaring on the branch that we're sitting on. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the idea of like a, a unified rail system, I mean, people have talked about it for years and years and years. Um, the idea that you can technically travel pretty much everywhere via land if you're really ingenious and uh, endeavorous enough. It is also the plot of Snowpiercer, which is like a whole <laughs> other whole other thing. <laughs> But without that, you know, without the horrific ice age and, and all the eating bugs things, it could be very cool to have an interconnected world of rail. Of course, that would mean all the countries would have to get on the same page with what rail gauges we're using, which is a whole other thing. 
Oh, but it would, it I would be you neat. Said metric. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's a reason for that. Let's gloss over that. <laughs> yeah. Part of our problems right now are tangential to that. Yeah. But yeah, mm. like we could. I mean, I guess what I'm, it's all related to stuff we've talked about. You know, I mean, maybe the phrase living is the point, not the result. Hmm. Very true. Easy to forget as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I dream about this idea of, you know, being able to travel the world working, but not travel the world to work, rather... Travel whilst working? Travel whilst working, you know, continue to earn the money I have to earn to live in our economic system but then you know imagine if you're like rather than just sort of sitting on a plane looking out the window and seeing a general white fluffiness below you you could actually see all of europe roll out before you as you type away on i don't know your quarterly reports hmm. tp reports <laughs> now now because <laughs> like why do i have to be in shanghai by the evening to be in a in a meeting in the morning to then be back in london the next day to be fair, when you say Shanghai in the evening, can you also re-say that in an old-timey news journalist voice, please? <clears throat> if we take the six o'clock, we can be in Shanghai by the evening, and then the meeting will in the morning. Yes, is that good? Is that <laughs> thank is that you? Good? That 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 genuinely does fill me with a little bit of joy. Oh, goody! I can bring some joy to somebody. <laughs> nice. <sighs> it it's 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 very very true. I mean, there's the whole there's the whole work from home rel not relapse uh, recall that's happening right now, which is quite sad, hmm. but. There's that idea that, yes, you can do your day's work and it doesn't have to be done at an amazingly fast pace unless, you, you know, a particular job requires you to work at a fast pace. If you're a surgeon, don't slow down. In fact, <laughs> speed up. Mm. What is it, how is it they say, uh, some people like to say that time is an illusion, time isn't real, but schedules are. <laughs> schedules <laughs> are, yes. Deadlines are very real. <laughs> mm. Time is a flat circle, man. Yes, but you were supposed to be at nine o'clock, Gary. Nine o'clock. <laughs> I mean, it, you're make a good point that often and this all is very related like the push to get everyone back in the office isn't necessarily about productivity although there are again a lot of arguments some people saying like i'm more productive at home maybe you are maybe you aren't i don't know i'm seeing a lot of noise in the data here i know i'm happier when i'm working from home hmm. on average if somebody is happier in their work environment they're going to be they're going to perform better at their job because they're in a better mental place. So mm -hmm. if working from home makes put somebody in a better mental place, it's better for everybody. Really, some people thrive in the office. Some people thrive on the social interaction, and that's great. And some people thrive by staying at home and, and working in a blanket burrito. They're both viable options if your type of work allows it. Again, if you're a surgeon, probably don't do it whilst in a blanket burrito. Might not be the most hygienic. <laughs> But at the same time, we can certainly say that a lot of people spend eight hours in an office to do what is, in fact, less than eight hours of work, right? Mm. Uh, no, 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 no. 100% productive, 100% of the time, if any of my bosses are listening. The point, the point is no. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody but me. And why do we do it? Why do we force ourselves to be as you said, 100% productive 100% of the time for often busy work. We could be slowing down and focusing on other things. And to keep bringing it back, I think that this works very much at a micro level and could work at a macro level. I would love to speak to an actual 
economist. I would love to interview somebody that knows a lot more than I do because this idea really intrigues me, but I don't know how it would scale, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, let's put it in the news. We have the whole unity fiasco, another example of... Oh, God, yeah. ...of, you know, that thing we've been talking about, that wonderful word that's all over the uh, the internet that we can't say on this family-friendly podcast... <laughs> Can we say a friendly, 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 fr fr oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Can we say a family? <laughs> Can we, Jeff? Can we? <laughs> no, we can't. Leave my impediment alone. A f Can we say a family friendly version of it? God, that was difficult to say. And doodoofication. I was going to say poopification, <laughs> but they both work. Yeah. Mm. You know, the unity thing is definitely being pushed by the fact that they had a great client base, they had good revenue, but it wasn't enough. They needed to show month-on-month, -month, quarter on quarter growth. And they have chosen a very what's the nice way of putting consumer negative or consumer hostile approach. They've really attacked their users in, a, in an attempt to get that value. Right. Mm. Yeah. Was well, is as the uh, as the article um, whose author I forget. Cory Doctorow. Oh, Cory Doctorow. Thank you. As you know, as, as he lays out in his article, it's the final turn of that wheel. Yeah. Where you turn on your own users, you you know you start cannibalizing your own users to extract value, and your own business users as well. Yeah. That's the like you mm. know the first people to be turned on are the free users, as it were. The, mm. You know, we all go on Facebook and then they start to try and monetize our data. And then once that well dries up, they turn on their business users and start charging fees. Yeah. And a lot of this is driven by the fact that in our economic system, growth has to be infinite, right? And we obviously don't live in an infinite, at least infinite planet. The universe may be infinite, but the earth is not. And at the same time, like, I think that a lot of people have, you know, posited all sorts of solutions to this, you know, clean energy, blah de blah de blah <laughs> I don't know where else to go with that thought. But I'm wondering if we need to slow down and go, like, why do we need to keep making infinite money for, you know, rich people to get richer when we could just all slow down and try and figure out how to just... I don't mind people being rich. I actually really don't. If people want to work 20 hours out of 24 in a day and make themselves mind-numbingly rich, as long as they're not taking it from other people, as long well, as everybody I think is... That's, that's, that's the crux of it there, is that if just doing that, if working 20 out of 24 hours a day was what did that, then it would be fine because the people that wanted that would do that, but that's not how it works. You know, the people that work 20 out of 24 hours tend to be at the bottom of the pile because they're working that yeah. just to stay above water. Yeah. And mm -hmm. because once you reach a certain wealth threshold, you don't need to keep working because that wealth will just generate itself. And after that, it becomes it just becomes a numbers game and a powers yeah. game. It is. It's, 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 it's a difficult conversation because past a certain wealth threshold, you essentially delegate. Yeah, pretty much you need to delegate because then you delve into the very dangerous realm of believing that you're an expert simply because you have wealth and influence. And there is a particular social media owner <laughs> right now who is a prime example of this, who believes because they are in charge, they know best. And it turns out... That's not maybe always they don't. the case. Yeah. I don't think that's ever been the case with this particular yeah. person, but that's fine. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Thank you.
there's a couple quotes I can see in the show notes that are very relevant here, where one of them is from a, an author called Mark Fisher, who said, it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. It mm. really, really is. Like we've, I feel like as a, as a planet, we've been accelerating on this on this train to go back to the train analogy hmm. for so long we've been laying the track out in front of us one sheet at a time like in Wallace and Gromit and <laughs> yes. we don't know how there's no way of going back and we don't have any plans because we're constantly having to lay that next track out in front of us so we can't plan forward so all we can do is just barrel forward screaming into the night because there's no we can't conceive of any other op option yeah, because we've kind of limited our imaginations by being on this train. Yeah, and I don't know what the best way around it is because you can't get off because the trains are moving so fast. <laughs> well, we've also, thanks to the 20th century being the way it was, we've created this, in my opinion, false link between our economic systems and our political systems. So we feel like the end of capitalism means the end of democracy, the end of freedom. Even though that may that doesn't have to be the case, but the two are so inextricably linked for so many people, it's very difficult to think outside of that box we've created for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And again, I feel like if we just slow down, take it easy, maybe hum a little tune, do 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 do, slow ride. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry. See, I, I I know you have the slow ride song and everything, but because of Murdoch and thank you Murdoch, it's still stuck in my head. I just have the Wii menu music. <laughs> <laughs> the hand of evil strikes once again. Like it's been in my head for uh, it's for far too long, and every time, every time it's about to leave, just your voice appear. You know, like you you reintroduce it to me. It's like you know, like when it's fading out, and you go, "Ah, Jeff needs a top up." <laughs> It's it's a very good theme for slowing down, it though. It slaps like, it's way harder than it has any right to. Well, also, like I keep it keeps happening over and over and over again. So you know the Chocobo theme music from Final Fantasy. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. keep I keep having that pop into my head, and then I'll sing it, and then I'll go, "What is that? That's so familiar." <laughs> it just I keep it keeps happening, and I don't know why, and I don't really. It's not related to anything, but it just reminded me of that, and it's now stuck in a part of my brain that does not recall the information that it's from, but it remembers the tune. Mm. Well, you know what? It's It does, at least tangentially, which is, you know, our motto. We are the podcast of tangents. It does lead me on to the second quote that I was trying to shoehorn in somewhere, and here it is. So this comes from Carl Sharrow, who is Carl R.E. Marx on Birdsight. I think we're legally obligated to call it X now. I don't know. No, I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Just because something is, just because a business has named itself something, doesn't mean that we have to call it that particular name. I mean, I won't say the name. There's a particular pub near where I live, where Moggy used to live. It's <laughs> had like four or five different names. Everybody still calls oh, it by its yeah. original name. Oh, I remember. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So he said something that you know made the rounds on social media, and it really resonated with me in a very sad way. Because what we're just talking about now is creativity. That beautiful, you know, music that can worm its way into our brains forever, for good or for evil. And he said here, like, humans doing the hard jobs on minimum wage while robots write poetry and paint is not the future I wanted. Hmm. It is 
like it's it's the darkest timeline it's like the complete opposite you know we've had like you know you've got like ENM banks and the culture where the robots do all the work and everybody just goes around having fun why how, how we've flipped that yeah to the complete opposite is just depressingly bizarre well it's also because i think there's a, an inevitability that this is just what ai is good at right now hmm I think there's this general consensus that AI development seems to have peaks and then lulls. And right now we're mm -hmm. in a peak where they figured out how to do some particular stuff very well. It's just unfortunate that that thing happens to be creativity, which in my mind is one of those beautiful things that I want to say makes us human. But at the same time, like I've seen some things that ants and termites have built that are actually beautiful. So mm. it's a it's, it's a very organic thing. But the thing with AI generated art and poetry and writing is it's not creation. It's generation. It's 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 regeneration. It's taking or it, it's it's amalgamations and it's mixing things up that have already existed and mm. then spinning them into. It's not original, even though it may be. Even though those combinations of words may have never happened before, it's not original because it required essentially plagiarization of something else mm. yeah and spinning it back out there's no there's no original uh human creative thought process involved in ai generation it is just pure generation it's like a procedurally generated seed machine it's not yeah. actual in my opinion it's not art it's a great tool but it's not art well i mean the the courts in america agree with you they're refusing to give certain types of ai generated art copyright protection mm. Mm. Well, copyright, copyright protection is like you need, a, there needs to be a physical person or an entity behind it. Mm. Well, they also talked actually about the purpose of copyright and saying it's not to protect robots. And at the same time, I want to pick up on a point you made because CGP Grey made a very similar point in a very poignant way on his Cortex podcast that AI is making marionettes of us. Mm. And especially this is what the actors and writers strikes are about, that it's not like AI is coming up with this stuff out of nowhere. As you said, they've scraped data from all over the internet. They've copied people's writing styles. They've copied people's voices. Stephen Fry just said, like, there is somebody's copied his voice from the Harry Potter audiobooks and he's using it to make content without his permission. Mm. They're literally turning people's soul, in my opinion. That's the word I want to use. Like, when we express our creativity when we use our the unique things that make us the person that we are to express ourselves that's aside from any spiritual connections that's our soul that's our it's, it's literally the only thing we own yeah truly. and then mm. ai is using it to make a marionette of us we're being puppeted mm. often without our consent or remuneration and to bring this back to the topic of today it's again because we're wanting to do everything as fast as possible. Let's figure out what we can do and then do it. And oh, wow, we can just make a million movies now with no, uh, we don't have to pay actors. We don't have to pay writers. We could just keep making stuff and we can sell it and we'll make all the money. Hmm. Why? <laughs> I don't want to watch that movie. Well, it, it, goes it goes back into that infinite growth where things have to grow. Ex economies and uh, businesses have to grow exponentially. And to do so, it needs to generate more profit. Now, there's only so much money people have to spend. So when you can't have people buy, pay more for your products or buy more of your product, you have to reduce the spend to create that product. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening with AI right now. They're going, yeah. ah, well, you know, people will only spend a bazillion dollars for movie about superhero B. So instead of because they can't generate more wealth on the end 
product, they have to cut spending on the start of the product. And by doing that, they're removing wages and infrastructure prices. And that's what they're using AI for because they think, oh, we don't need to pay writers. We don't need to pay editors. We don't need to pay actors because the, the robots will do it all for us. I mean, despite the fact that we've all seen the reports about how much energy and water AI is using anyway, it's not yeah. cheaper. Mm. It is. This is the thing, unfortunately, like the the amount of energy they're using in water, but when you amortize it over like everything that it's doing, it is cheaper, unfortunately. But It's cheaper it's because- now, but it, as, these re- as the resources get uh, more stretched, as they are do, potable water will be more stretched mm. in, in the coming years. It will be more expensive than actual people. And it's, it's a... It's a, it's a very short-sighted thing um, to be banking your uh, businesses on. Mm-hmm. And cost is, I think we do need to recognize this. And again, this is part of the slowing down thing. We don't cost things correctly, in my opinion, because we just put a monetary price on it. There is also like the, do we want to use 100 gallons of water cooling AI for 10 minutes? Or do we want to give drinking water to a village that doesn't have drinking water? We don't cost those things correctly to say, yes, human beings should come first. Mm. In my opinion, like dogs on the street should come before AI. Mm-hmm. If, if it means giving those creatures drinking water, if it means forests don't burn in, you know, the hellfires of summer, mm-hmm. we don't cost it. I have a couple of thoughts. I would sorry, like to hear them. <laughs> I've been a little bit quiet for a little while now, but basically I think part of the slowing down process is also not to sound the alarm bells completely. The issue mm-hmm. with AI is not the AI itself. The issue with AI is basically how it's being used. It's not the AI itself. It's not evil. Ironically, the, pro- the problem with the AI is the human element. It's the human element, pretty much, yes. There, there are a couple of fun points about AI specifically as well. It's basically, it's both infinitely... Much more capable than we had initially predicted, but it's also infinitely much more stupid than people make it seem. Yes, I believe a lot of the, as we said, procedurally generated style of AI, it's literally guessing the next word in a sequence. It doesn't Mm -hmm. think. Although it is capable of some type of logic, which is kind of uh, creeping me out a lot. The the Um, latest GPT models are like doing correct logical thought processes which it wasn't capable of before and that's weirding me out <laughs> it, it's still it's still mimicking what's it called again it's still mimicking what it's read seen heard uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know having it's not original thought having an original thought exactly oh they what do they call there's a there's a new word now because ai has been i would even say misappropriated by this idea because it's not it's neither yeah, it's artificial nor intelligent to a, to a certain degree it's basically a giant algorithm Whereas they've now renamed the, what do we want to call it? The thing from 2001, a space odyssey style AIs. What do they call it? General AI or something like that? I think so. I mean, I've always, I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, the whole large, was it large language models, LLM? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whenever I hear that, I just think of um, whatever the acronym for pyramid schemes is, that's all I hear. <laughs> MLM, I hear LLM and I hear oh, MLM, man. and it's like that's because oh, yeah. this is this is the new crypto bro. In. Oh, Everybody's like all, all the old there. all the old crypto bros were like, oh yeah, man, you know, Bitcoin's gonna make us all rich. Now it's oh man, AI is gonna get us all rich, and that's basically the problem. I, I think I think here's here's the main issue. Number one, yes, it is like it is more of a human issue than it is an AI issue. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of ethics involved. We don't need to dig into the weeds of that. Right now, 
I didn't bring my trowel anyway. <laughs> but it is pretty much how people are using it. And I think, I personally think there is genuine use cases where this might be quite useful, right? Of course. Like replacing CEOs. <laughs> a great, a, a, genuinely a great use of AI because there's <laughs> CEOs make certain decisions based on data and that's exactly what AIs are designed for. Mm. They're particularly good at it. In fact, they're quicker at it than most billion-dollar CEOs, so maybe that's where we should be going with it. But then again, then you end up with the AI society that's run by an AI and then everything gets turned to grey goo. I mean, there is an argument that AI could be like the calculator. You mm. know, when it was first invented, oh no, you still need to learn all of your mathematics, you still need to learn... What's the word I want? Not algebra. Um, I mean, it's still important to learn how all these processes work, even though a computer can do it for us. Because if we lose how, if we lose the understanding of how to do these things, mm -hmm. that's when decline happens. You know, just because mm -hmm. we have a machine that can do it for us, we need to fundamentally understand how that machine does that. But when you're calculating like something important, like you know, money. You don't trust your own brain. You run it through the calculator. You run it through Excel. I think this yeah. AI could be used a lot like that where maybe because like medical knowledge, for example, is so expansive and so, you know, like maybe like the AI could be used to assist a human doctor who makes the final decision, who uses their experience and and whatnot to sift through. But the, the AI can kind of go, hey, did you consider maybe this patient has this? And you go, huh, I didn't think about that. And then suddenly all these like unconscious biases and, you know, little gaps in knowledge that are understandable. Nobody can know everything. Suddenly an AI is like a pocket calculator. That I am happy with. How scary would it be, though, if you're about to go into surgery and you hear your surgeon muffled under his mask, hey, Siri, how remove gallbladder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I can't help um, you with that. Maybe if we try... Oh, no. <laughs> AI, it's like, <laughs> I couldn't find gallbladder, but I found spleen. <laughs> Medicine specifically as a field is basically, it's based on the assumption of like, you know, a highly educated guess. This is our best guess at what this could be, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You do yeah. your differential diagnosis and you make an educated guess and then you test your guesses basically. So if we can speed up that process, yeah, I think we're onto something. And, and at least provide extra, like, you know, there's a lot of people that get misdiagnosed because their doctors get a little, like, I know what it is. I've seen this before. Mm. And they don't consider the other options. Mm. Maybe AI can be a little like, okay, while we're testing for that, let's just get a blood test on X, Y, and Z as well. We have the blood sample. Let's see. You know, that kind of thing could be, you know, transformative as opposed to, we don't need painters anymore. <laughs> Well, I mean, it also, like, it, it is, I mean, a little bit in the weeds, but, like, with, with I think with certain testing on blood, the reason they, they don't do all the tests at once is because you have to, you can only do, like, test for particular things in a particular way, and then if you want to test for something else, you have to redo it in a different in a different way with a different method. Mm. So sometimes you may need to take lots of blood samples. That's perhaps. fine. I have a lot of blood. I've <laughs> seen it. I'm fine. I have lots let's, of blood. Let's test for anything. Why do you have a gallon jug? <laughs> <laughs> a gallon, you say? It's a gallon, you say? A whole gallon. Oh. Just, just, Go on, Murdoch. We are pushing for time today, so please give us your bit. thoughts. Yeah, well, no, just, just to finish off that thought, like, I, I think I think it's, like, it is a valuable tool, and it is here to stay, whether we like it or not. But I think the trick is, quite literally, we need to figure out how to automate the right things as opposed to trying to automate mm. everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
this is why I love talking to you guys. Like, it's really great to bounce ideas off of each other and get these different perspectives because I'm very focused on this idea of slowing down. Like, let's get on that train. And mm. we're now talking about AI, which seems like one of our patented tangents. But it's all related because we could be like just sort of going, okay, well, let's figure out how to use all of this stuff to our ultimate benefit rather than let's see who can do it quickest and make the most money out mm. of it, right? Yep. We don't do that first thing. We don't kind of, as you said, we don't do a differential diagnosis. How can we do the most good with the tools we have? Mm. Instead, we have who can make the most money. <sighs> Unfortunately, some of that problem is related to like human nature, not within our hands to fix. Like we could try... Like we, we, we could try this on an individual level, we could try this on like a small community level, but like you know, human nature has tendencies to say We are little, going right back to the top of the episode, why did I order that iPhone? Like ultimately we are little bundles of desire. Mm -hmm. We are that small little mammal that burrowed its way out and is trying to desperately put enough acorns away for winter. Mm -hmm. Those drives, those impulses are a part of our DNA. They're a part of our past and we have to recognize them. But I think we also need to indulge in them because that's what makes us happy. Seeing a, a fridge and a cupboard stocked with food, it's comforting. Ah, yes, I won't starve when the famine comes. Mm. You know, there is no famine. We haven't there had a... Yeah. There are certain things like, you know, for example, when you have um, just one last, one last wild tangent, um, <laughs> when you see like, a, when you see a working dog or a sheep dog and they're doing their, they're doing their job, they're doing what they were bred to do all those, you know, centuries ago and they're so happy and they're thriving and yeah. they're just living their best life. Like, you know, when you see a, when you see a sheepdog herding babies, it's, it's brilliant. Dude, I've seen sheepdogs run away from home, like, and then they find them in the countryside herding yeah. sheep. Like yeah, dogs but... that have literally grown up in the same household. They get off their leash <laughs> and they find them herding sheep. Like, you're right. And they're, they're just having a whale of a time. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes we need to do, we need to herd sheep. We, we, sometimes, we, sometimes you need to herd sheep if they, you know, but... <laughs> If, if that's your job, if that's what you want to do. Uh, so you will be responsible for the handling and delivery of packages to the <laughs> Yay! I'm a delivery like, boy. Uh, so I'm a delivery boy? Yes. <laughs> but that's exactly it. Sometimes, yeah, it's tapping into that thing that makes us what we are as human beings. And that can that can make you happy. Too much of it, and you turn into that fat squirrel that falls out of the tree, which is hilarious. <laughs> bad for the squirrel, hilarious. But a little bit of it, as Murdoch says, indulge mm -hmm. just a little bit. It kind of fulfills a base desire. Yep. Yeah. Slow down. Connect with yourself. And we've talked about it so many times, and it just keeps coming back as the ultimate answer i think it is part of the you know going right back to the first episode if we had the answer this would wouldn't be a podcast this would be a book mm -hmm. part of that book would be slow down and listen to yourself listen to your desires listen to your insecurities and try and make that little nest in your life that fills those holes without as you said turning into a fat little squirrel hmm. yeah as, as cute as that squirrel is <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I mean, I think that was our final thoughts for the day, right? I mean, do we have anything else we want to hit before we say goodbye to the beautiful folks who stayed with us a little longer than usual? <laughs> 
no, no, I, I, I think that's pretty much it. Like, the last lid on this whole, like, automate the right things, that's to give you time to do things yeah. for yourself, not time to do more things. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think the point I was hoping to make, really, is I was a huge fan of the Barbie movie. And, you know, it's been rattling around in my brain all the reasons I love it and all mm -hmm. the reasons that it made it such a special movie. And I keep coming back to the that if an AI had tried to write that script, I don't think it would have hit those notes because there's something so very human about all the little ways it's utilizing plot and characters and film theory and all these little things. And I don't want to read a poem written by a robot other than to go, huh, that's cool. Hmm. I want to read I want to read the haiku of Basho from you know, however many hundreds of years ago, hear his thoughts on seeing, you know, Mount Fuji and the moon above it. Like, it's a human moment, a moment of clarity, a moment of insight. I, I want to feel his passion. <laughs> Just the, the passionata. As uh, the worst poetry ever written will be more meaningful than the best AI-generated poetry because it will be written by a person who's trying to express something. Mm-hmm. Mm it's, it may be terrible and it may be like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where it genuinely causes people physical pain. <laughs> Vogon poetry. Vogon poetry. <laughs> but it will, it will be, it is worth infinitely more than anything generated by a computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, slow down, take it easy, and as we've said so many times, be kind to yourself and be kind to each other. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can figure out a way through these as the ancient Chinese curse through these interesting times. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for joining us. We've been Indulgently Minimal. You can follow us on all of the social medias that we are on, Instagram, Mastodon. We have a website. We have an RSS feed. We are there. Check the show notes for links. Any thoughts, questions, comments, send us an email. We are indulgentlyminimal at gmail.com. We're also on coffee, and we want to give a huge shout out to Nifla. Thank you so much for donating to the show. It really helps us out. Uh, we are so grateful. Much it means a lot. Thank you. So if you want to help support the show, keep doing what we're doing. It's ko-fi.com forward slash indulgently minimal. Again, links in the show notes. I have been Moggy, and I have been joined this week by Jeff. Thanks, guys. Remember to go easy on yourselves. And Murdoch. And remember, folks, indulge a little. Just a little. Thank you for joining us. See you for the next one. Bye. See you later, guys. Take care, everyone. Hey, Jeff? Yeah? Do, 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 do. Nah!